be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you can remember I said the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. And you're going to have to keep on saying that. You're going to have to say that I am a proletarian. I am the people. I'm not the pig. You've got to make a distinction. And the people are going to have to attack the pig. The people are going to have to stand up against the pig. That's what the pastors are doing. That's what the pastors are doing all over the world. Politicians be like, we gon' frack our way to freedom Corporations dash for cash on our backs while we sleepin' Continuing tradition, trash the earth as it weakens While we work the double shift at checkout lines on weekends In the name of Edwin Drake in 47, fracks invented All Obama did was make fed lands protected Minority rules in every state that's invested Financial sites show brackets starts to be the best investment They did the math, so of course the teams decided the 99% of us must not be divided Stay woke, yeah, we cannot be blindsided Let by rhyme writers all fight, fire ignited They don't care about our health or even that of their fam They don't even fear the courts, there's no justice that chance He made a movie, now we compose a rap jam Follow the fault lines beneath us, welcome to Gasland We gon' frack for freedom, we gon' frack for freedom And this award goes to the best frack of the evening In Gasland, they Hollywood Think they act as we would, but where we live, we like hands off, frack your own hood. We gon' frack for freedom, we gon' frack for freedom, and this award goes to the best frack of the evening. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, good morning. Uh, this is another episode of Revolutionary Tracks. Uh, I am Marcus today, and Marcus is me. Uh, unless, like, Marcus decides to come off mute, uh, we have a pretty good, uh, pretty great guest for you today and like as you uh heard the track uh, we have a track that the, the guest um, our guest for today awkward has made possibly the the most uh, relevant track for this week especially awkward how are you doing marcus how are you doing i'm good thanks i'm curious why um a song on fracking is so important this week can you tell can you tell me in the audience Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, maybe uh, that's my turn to chime in. And, and what's up? Uh, I was just doing some last-minute uh, administrative things um, and sending out memes and letting people know that we're live. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this week the Supreme Court, which has had a hell of a June, I gotta say, um, but uh, say that the, the EPA cannot regulate uh, carbon emissions. Um, in any substantial way. So it's basically the EPA could, could only specifically do like, specific, like individual companies, but no broad, broad based, like federal, uh, and yeah, when it comes to climate crisis, meeting the United States goals, which are not good enough, um, which play into the world's goals, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're the recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had missed it. Um, so that, that's really interesting and terrible. Um, and, and, and for what it's worth relates directly to the work that I'm most well known for, because of course, just like everything else, there's racism tied and classism tied directly into the environment, into climate change, into pollution and disease related to that. Um, prisons, for instance, are typically built um, 
right next to Superfund sites. Um, and of course, all of the fracking initiatives are intended for poor towns. Um, and of course, we have asbestos and all of the other problems well known um, to inner cities where uh, that are, you know, particularly affecting uh, the health and, and lives of people, of, of black people and people of color. I think, yeah, like, since you, since, since you speak of that, like, there's uh, another uh, decision. This wasn't the only decision. There was also the decision. I could be right. a little uh, mistaken about this. Uh, I, I'm not, like, the most uh, up to speed on this one. Uh, but uh, I think they designated uh, tribal lands, like, uh, the lands of indigenous people as uh, federal lands. Correct? No. So, I, no? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what they, yeah, what they did, like, they basically gave it the power to the states. Um, so it basically took away some of the, uh, like just basic tribal sovereignty. So basically, uh, state police, wow. um, now have jurisdiction to like go into tribal lands and like prosecute crimes that used to be under the jurisdiction of the, of the tribe. For okay. So, so this is another one that I hadn't heard. And this just demonstrates how difficult it is to keep up on everything. Right. I mean, this also even more directly relates to the work that we do um, at 10 demands. You know, we, one of our members is an indigenous woman and we coordinated with as many native people as we could in developing the 10 demands because there are very specific needs um, and goals of indigenous communities that are very different from outside the plantation, so to speak. And so in the 10 demands, we're demanding more sovereignty. And obviously this is a move in quite the opposite direction. Uh, before we get started on that, like awkward, can you t talk a little bit about yourself and uh, the, the work, the organization, and uh, essentially walk us through your, uh, your evolution as like first being a hip hop artist, a rapper, and uh, then like progressively becoming more and more involved in activism yeah. um, and having your own show. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I have been an activist for as long as I can remember. My mom was, um, you know, a woman's rights, environmental and anti-nuclear war activist. And, you know, she raised me with that mindset and, you know, that level of action. Um, she saved hundreds of acres of open space uh, before she died in 2012. Um, meanwhile, you know, constantly playing Motown music and, and hippie music. And so early on, I had the connection between political activism, um, you know, addressing injustice and inequity and music. So um my first introduction to hip hop was through a babysitter at a really young age. And, you know, I first started writing what I would now consider poetry. Um, eventually I hooked up with a lot of other, you know, people in hip hop culture, um, quickly learned what actually writing rap songs is about, um, which, you know, any musician would understand it's not just hip hop, but learning the rules of, um, composition and things like that. And so, Throughout that entire time, pretty much all of my music, either, you know, explicitly or implicitly was political. Um, I honestly believe that everything I do is political. Every choice I make, the clothes I wear, the way I speak, the food I eat, 
um, it's, you know, whether I carry a gun, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, obviously over time, um, as I got older and had to, you know, always all of the proceeds from my music went to charity. Um, I eventually had a wife and two kids and needed a, you know, a steady stream of income that wouldn't come from music and wouldn't come from activism because one of the reasons so many incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people have put their faith and trust in me is because I am clearly not doing this for myself. There's no motivate, there's no financial motivation. Um, and when that happened and I had less time, I did start to focus more on more of the organizing stuff and only releasing music that's directly tied to some initiative. Um, the fracking song that you played at the beginning of, of the interview or whatever the show today, um, is a song I wrote for an album about fracking and it had you know i don't know natalie merchant um michael franti I, like i don't know it's very eclectic and diverse and i'm impatient and put out the song myself because i didn't want to wait um i did a song called deep sea for the ocean project um you know the the song throw away the prisons was done with new york civil liberties union and occupy the hood and obviously the 10 demands song which is my favorite of all time is for our organization 10 demands which is the culmination of about 22 decades plus of my focusing specifically on race class and mass criminalization um and 10 demands was created by myself and a number of others in 2020 to lay out a groundwork to actually pave the road toward abolition. So you won't find any reformist reforms in there. What you find is stepping stones, each step um, chipping away at the system toward full, complete abolition, not only of police, but of prisons and of carceral punishment in its entirety. So uh, can you can you lay out what the 10 demands are, uh, if you would be able to know, are there 10 exactly or uh, would you be able to walk us through what exactly the demands are and how you came about them? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think you can I recommend everyone go to uh, 10 for dot com. It's all spelled out T.E.N.F.O.R. Justice dot com and look at the demands. The music video is also there. We also have a ton of resources that were created by you know, people who've been doing this even longer than me and who are more directly impacted. Um, the 10 demands themselves, you know, I don't think it's worth, you know, the time. We're limited in time. So going one by one. But I will say that it's it's not chronological. A lot of this stuff has to happen at the same time. And clearly, a lot of it is happening before abolition. So in, a, in an abolitionist society, we're not throwing people in prison for making a mistake where a addressing the underlying causes of crime where you know addressing specifically health and wellness on a community by community basis um and we're using things like mediation uh reparation transformative justice community service to actually pay back for the crimes you've done um and to truly be held accountable instead of just disappearing and everyone forgetting about you and the crime you may have committed. Um, but as I said, there's a lot that happens before. So the first step is defunding the police. As we're, as we're every year 
chipping away at the salaries that are typically in the hundreds of thousands down to zero. Police aren't going to want to exist if they aren't being paid. Um, Ten demands. Demand number one also includes stripping police unions of their power. Their protection is what enables police brutality. Um, It also includes ending all additional new um, investments, um, all additional new buildings, um, and of course, getting rid of the PR department, which is responsible for all of the propaganda that has brainwashed so many of us for so many years. Other things include holding police accountable, um, actual transparency, there being laws in place where the cops have to disclose everything. And in addition to that, there would be a state level and community based independent review boards so that cops and departments that break the law, that are corrupt, that repeatedly kill people no longer exist. Um, and again, you know, there's a lot more to it. It includes reparations uh, for descend, you know, for African um you know, for descendants of African slaves. It includes reparations for indigenous people. Um, You know, it includes ending qualified immunity, freeing political prisoners, ending the criminalization of protest and protesters, et cetera, et cetera. It's, It's really, really comprehensive. And there are very specific calls to action, very specific laws. This is a lot more involved than I think I can safely say any other platform um, designed for a similar purpose. And so we created it with that goal of providing this like one-stop shop for any person in their community who wants to present an actual path toward defunding and abolition to their city council or mayor. So For one thing, you can actually print out our brand new PDF, our guide. You can bring it to your city council or on the website. There's clear instructions on how to press a couple buttons and send a text with our open letter directly to your mayor, your congressman, et cetera. And um, and I think like, you know, there's going to be like a part one of uh, two parts. So like maybe we could just grab some chunks uh, because. Yeah, I'm talking fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and which, you know, you can slow it down in the replay, uh, you know, go down <laughs> to 0. 0.75. Um, but, uh, no, you talk about protesting. You talk about the criminalization of protesting, which is something that's that's been increasing over the past few years. I think yes. it's totally uh, the state of Florida. You know, they, like, literally passed, like, you can fucking, you know, murder protesters by driving mm-hmm. you know, like, through, like driving through your cars and shit yeah um yeah so i mean i guess as, as especially like on the backs of you know some of these supreme court hearings and especially you know the the, the striking down of row um yep. you get you're you're already seeing people in the streets you're already seeing like day one right minute one there's protests cops are are, are out there beating people's asses and yep. breaking yep. you know like like so um I don't know. I guess yeah. How do how do we how do you you know? Can you even just yeah talk to how do people move forward? And, you know, like especially like actually yeah. having true agitation, but like staying safe. Yes, yes. Great questions. Um, I, I I'll first say I'll first say um, that the I had retired from rap and 
when I heard what happened to Heather um, in Charlottesville, I came back and, and made a fuck Trump song dedicated to her that, you know, has her name as the title. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Heather Heyer was run over by a car driven by a Nazi. And that has happened many, many times since. It is an actual tactic that they're using. And of course, they get away with it because Nazis, Klansmen, Proud Boys haven't just infiltrated police departments. They are the, they are one and the same. And they always have been. Cops are slave catchers. They were created right after the abolition of slavery. Um, in 2020, we saw the longest period of sustained protests in our nation's history. And the way our government, our governments responded was by increasing police funding in 2021, um, which demonstrates a lot of things, among them that protest unto itself is not necessarily going to solve anything, and also that they don't give a fuck about us, and we knew that already. Um, going forward into 2022, we're obviously seeing this like... Um, you know, I remember Cornell West calling 9-11 the niggerization of America. Um, it, it blew my mind. I was there in person when he said it. Um, and it's only in that context in which I would use that word. Um, I kind of feel like the, the Roe v. Wade decision, coupled with the fact that they don't have to read us our Miranda rights anymore, kind of universalizes this um, awareness of fascism's growth in this country, um, and of, you know, the fear of being targeted. Um, you know, people very close to me, I won't name names, said things like, I'm boycotting July 4th because of Roe v. Wade. And my thought was, and I asked this person this, why didn't you boycott it when millions of uh, people of color and um, were being beaten, raped, murdered um, for the last 60 years or whatever. Um, there is no answer to that for neoliberals, but it doesn't matter. We now have this mass movement that's even bigger because while not every white guy or white whatever can relate to being shot by cops for you know, pulling out your keys or driving um, in a car. Everyone can relate to knowing a person who may not want to give birth if they're raped or the victim of incest. Um, so we now have this massive movement, right? And everybody is terrified and everybody's looking to move to, I don't know, Vancouver or Portugal. And now we're seeing people who we don't expect to get beaten by cops, getting beaten by cops on the streets. Old ladies, you know, who weren't brave enough to put themselves between black people and cops in, in 2020, they're out there now too. Um, my advice to everyone would be twofold. One, pay careful attention to any advice out there for staying safe. So I'll just throw out a couple of the things that are included in those typically. That's not using milk if your eyes get burned, using water. Um, obviously, protecting your body with as much protection as possible, any kind of armor you can provide. Um, showing up with uh, medical gear or knowing where uh, someone with medical gear is at all times. Uh, being tied into um, 
a bail fund network. Um, you know, there's a ton of things that I recommend you have in place before you take the risk of going out to protest. Um, another thing, obviously, whether you're protesting or not, is don't use the fingerprint or the facial recognition on your phone. Don't let cops into your phone. Don't talk to cops, etc. Make sure you lawyer up if you have to. Um, and reach out to people like me who can amplify your your cause. Um, the only other thing I'll say is that, again, protest, violence, direct action of that nature, civil disobedience, burning police stations down unto itself is not going to solve our problem. Um, we have much bigger issues um, among them that the people who are most armed and dangerous in this country are the people who run hate groups, um, who hate people for their religion, their skin color, their sexual preference, et cetera, et cetera. And we, the left, who care about other human beings, irrespective of that stuff, typically are very much less prepared in that way. And if it gets to that point, we, we do need to be. In the meantime, I recommend coordinating with people who are not going to protest. So while someone is out there burning down a building and terrifying a city council, you should have someone in the city council meeting calmly presenting the 10 demands and saying, like perhaps Martin Luther King did at the time about Malcolm X, if you don't want what he's doing, how about you do what I'm doing? So the alternative to having all your police stations burned down is we slowly defund and provide over time alternative mechanisms. Do you want to disappear now and die? Or do you want to slowly look for a new job? Which, yeah. and that's like, it literally takes, they, like, they, they, there's something that, like, with that is like, it actually takes two of, like, both sides yeah. having an understanding of each other. Um, and that's where, A, you know, there's no real good, like, like, descriptor of, like, the quote unquote, like, left, you know, in the United States that, you know, I kind of prescribe to other than, like, we are in the resurgence, you know, what that ends up ultimately looking like, who knows. Um, but that there's there's a solidarity between someone who's going to the to the city council and calmly speaking on you know policy versus and then just saying like like yeah you don't have to necessarily go out there and cry and say oh hey this is the worst thing in the world because ultimately and you know obviously you know, like Martin Luther King Jr. even spoke this is this is a response right this is the response to systemic generational yeah. violence yeah and so. It's not that, you know, you should, it, people should be able to understand. And also, too, I mean, hell, some of those things were just cops, you know, some of those, like, some of the, the breaking of the auto zone, there's some, like, oh, stories yeah. where it's actually cops doing this type of shit. <laughs> well, um, as, yeah, as it turned out, um, despite the 14,000 arrests in one year, 98% of the protests or something, it was 96 or 98, uh, were peaceful. And to your point, when it wasn't peaceful, it was either a, a right wing infiltrator or it was the cops themselves. All they need to to get violent is like one empty water bottle hitting their feet. You know, they just they're looking for an excuse. And this isn't new. When I was protesting in the early 2000s, I was being tear gassed in D.C. in Philadelphia, just like everyone is today. Um, and I, I don't know if you meant this, but it is worth mentioning when you said, like, 
unity or solidarity. And when you, when you talked about like, you know, connecting people, um, it did remind me of a debate, you know, around the idea of a general strike. And we certainly wouldn't be successful at, at, at a general strike if we decided only to include people who we agreed with politically. At the end of the day, all of us are at the mercy of the man, and most of us are not the man. So no matter what your skin color is, no matter where you live, no matter what your political ideologies are, we can all relate on the fact that we've been kept poor by the rich and powerful, by the government, and we've been collectively... Um, you know, disempowered or, you know, we, we every year we have less control over our own lives, um, you know, and next it's going to be contraception and, you know, gay marriage and, and, you know, whatever else. And that should be enough of a unifier for us. That should be enough for us to say, let's put this other shit aside and let's together topple this shit and come up with a better solution that, you know, that works for all of us. The problem, of course, is that we've all been fed generations of really specific information. And for a lot of us, it's been disinformation. And so my work over the last year or so has been predominantly focused on the center, on like neoliberals, uh, people who are well-intentioned, who are, but are like vote blue, no matter who, um, they are exactly the audience that needs to just get the information, needs to hear the stories from impacted people, needs to see the statistics from me. I've, I've created hundreds of abolitionists over the last year or two simply through that process and every day there's another abolitionist where one step closer. Uh, j just to round this off, because I know you have to go soon. And that's why, like, uh, we didn't play. Usually uh, we play songs a little more frequently. We're going to play 10 Demands. Uh, unfortunately, as soon as uh, you, you have to go, uh, I would okay. imagine. Uh, but uh, before before that, like, uh, kind of especially this week and uh, previous week, we have uh, started, I mean, there's, uh, speaking of neoliberals, there has been a widespread recognition, A, of uh, how exactly extrajudicial the Supreme Court itself is um, in its in its functioning and, like, how right now it has gone completely rogue and, like, is enacting a uh, purely right-wing agenda. And number two, uh, how the Democratic Party is almost... Um, you know, feckless to the point of like not e comically feckless and not able to yeah. do anything uh, in this context. So um, as far as that that aspect, like whether it's the overturning of Roe or the other decisions that we spoke about, what is your uh, your and your organizational stance against uh, or like with re with regard to the Supreme Court and uh, how do you perceive citizens or, and like people of uh, any like denomination should uh, unite or agitate against it against that institution particularly. Yeah, good question. I honestly, the Democrats have been like this for a really long time. So I'm not at all surprised. At the same time, it is important to focus on local elections. While, no, I'm being interviewed. I, I cannot help right now. Um, sorry. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> if you should see what's happening around me. 
um, there's a lot of yelling and crying and stomping. So it's amazing that it's mostly been done away from me. So you haven't heard it all. Anyway, long story short, um, local elections are an area where we can make a big difference. Like I said, the 10 demands are for your city council. They're, they're not for the federal government, although there are some federal and state laws and practices we want to implement. Um, this is the like the cops are local, so we need to look at it locally. Um, our communities should be defending themselves. We should be protecting ourselves. We don't need cops from other towns or other cities coming in and targeting, patrolling, criminalizing and putting us away, destroying our families and communities. So um, I highly recommend getting involved in local politics. Um, as for at the federal level, I mean, in a lot of ways, Biden's worse than Trump. So we're typically left with two bad options. And since the Democrats are so weak and, you know, like so inept, um, you know, they're busy talking about, oh, man, I loved it when the Republicans were a good party. We need to bring back the good Republican Party when they should be saying, fuck anyone who identifies that way. It involves oppression like it's it's built in. And and of course, those who've studied know the Democrats are also heavily invested in oppression. Joe Biden is the is the architect of mass uh, incarceration. So I, I honestly don't know if at the federal level there's a solution. And I don't often speak on behalf of everyone at 10 Demands. But uh, for me, at least, and I and I think I can safely say for all of us where very concerned about what we're seeing, not just with the Supreme Court, um, but what we've been seeing over the last number of years with increasing police. And, you know, the honest truth is 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 really that um, we have to start preparing for what this future may look like. The Democrats aren't going to fix this. Everyone's hero, RBG, intentionally stayed there so she could fuck us. They don't care about us. No, and, and that's like something that, I, I mean, I was just talking about earlier today is that, and I think it points to something like the successes that you're having, you know, even pulling people mm -hmm. over. And like, I'm happy that like, because the thing is too, it's like, it's on our terms. That's where people need to understand. Yeah, like you need to reach out. You need to talk to people. You need to engage. You need to like that's what organizing is: is talking yes. to strangers who yes. don't agree and getting them to agree. Yeah, right. Yeah. Spe speaking speaking about talking to strangers, do you uh, do you think you got time for time to take a caller? Uh, yeah, we got a call coming in. Like, if you want to, yeah, sure. But 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 make them hold for one second so I can sure. just conclude. Um, it's important to note since we're talking with left flank vets that. The military and prison industrial complexes have always been inextricably tied. Um, I just put out a thread about this, actually. The war on drugs is actually a war on poor Americans and a war on poor Latin American countries. Um, the people who live there, not the fascist dictators, um, you know, Hundreds of thousands, I think, people have died, although I don't remember exactly what the number is. And billions and billions have been spent, obviously, just to incarcerate more and more black people and um, other people of color. And every single extra piece of military-grade weaponry, whether it's a helicopter, another aircraft, a tank, um, an unmanned drone, a rocket launcher, a bayonet, 
they all go to the local police departments that terrorize us. And to that end, Uvalde is a great example. Uvalde has been a real turning point. Lots of people have come running to the idea of abolition as I demonstrate through that how completely unacceptable it is to believe that police are the answer to hate crimes or mass shootings or anything else when it comes to protecting the safety of everyday people. All right. Let, on that note, let's take this caller. And I know your time is yeah, limited. I'll hop off after that. Thanks so much, guys. And I, I definitely want to come back uh, to talk more and, you know, whatever else you guys want to do. Derek, you're on. All right. Thanks. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I've been pushing the idea for uh, progressives and uh, leftists, revolutionaries of all sorts. Uh, to consider the idea of infiltrating the Libertarian Party. Um, I, I think there's a solid strategy that is going unrecognized. Um, I think there's a profound failure of progressives, leftists, revolutionaries to recognize that they really are dead in the water. There's no going anywhere. We're all fucked. Um, I'm an independent, but I lean left on, uh, a lot of issues. Um, I think we all need to recognize that it's a mistake to ignore independence, the importance of independence, not winning. <clears throat> we're not gaining any territory. We're not winning anything without independence. So there needs to be a transition, first of all, from this attitude of confronting people we don't know or people we slightly disagree with or profoundly disagree with sometimes to uh, a mentality of uh, trying to convert. You know, we need to recognize, like with the Libertarian Party, you know, the party structure may be one thing or another, or, you know, the, the sort of philosophical, you know, ideas that are handed down from other sources are one thing. But, you know, everyday Libertarians, if you talk to them, they are steadfastly pro-choice. Mm -hmm. uh, they're yeah. pro-civil liberties. They're anti never-ending military spending, anti-perpetual warfare, anti-militarization of our civilian police forces, anti-privatization of our prisons. Yep. Um, you know, and you could tack on four or five other things that I routinely spit out and I'm not remembering right now, but I think it's important that those social things, if, if we are serious, if we do give a fuck, then it is time to dig a little fucking deeper. There are way too many progressives, leftist revolutionaries that seem to be mired in this mentality of not wanting to confront reality in order to fix the problems. Like they, they, they're too worried about their socialist street cred or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the yeah. fuck it is. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm just what you guys thought about that without a really hard sell on the idea. Oh, that's I definitely appreciate you calling in. That's a really interesting concept. Um, there's there's I know a lot of people who consider themselves like libertarian socialists. Um, obviously, you know, people tend to assume libertarians lean more to the right. But really, what's fundamental to libertarianism is that liberty, um, which is what you're talking about. And 
Um, but I think it's it's worth noting a couple things. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't dislike the idea, and I think it can definitely work. There was actually someone, uh, there was like a socialist who ran as a Republican somewhere out west a year or two ago, um, which just shows like what you're talking about, and that just shows truly parties are not the answer. I, I'm I'm less focused or I'm less excited about the idea of infiltrating any other party as I am about getting rid of parties and unions and and all of the corrupt shit altogether. If you're a revolutionary, I hate, you know, I'll be honest with you. I you're not talking electoral politics and that might that might mean I'm not a revolutionary. You right? Cuz I'm talking local elected politics. Um and right. but in order to spread that message, we need a larger platform. We can't just hang out in little echo chambers and right. super I was getting there. Yeah, yeah. Bubble. You know what totally. I mean? Totally. I was getting there. Yeah. I mean, the amount of hate from my friends in quotes at Antifa that I got for simply saying, let's focus less on yelling a cab and threatening individual cops and more on the underlying issues and the system of policing tell told me like where kind of we stand. And it hints at what you're saying. It's a lot about street cred. It's a lot of and for a lot of people, it's about theory and not lived experience. Um, so to the point that was made earlier too, we have to get out there and we have to talk to people, even if we don't know them. Um, and to your point, we do need a bigger platform. Of course, I just don't think it has to come through any particular party. Although coordinating with libertarians is a, to me, a very smart idea. It's like one of the first areas, maybe people on the, you know, self-proclaimed left should look and as an abolitionist, I'm not the type of anti-fascist I was growing up. I, I literally, my cousins and I, my cousins co-founded the Sharps in New Jersey, and we went around beating up Nazis. But that didn't solve anything either. And I hate to say it, but fighting with Nazis every day in the streets of Portland isn't solving anything either. So as an abolitionist, I believe that anyone is capable of transformation. The only way to achieve that transformation, however, is to have a, a conversation with mutual respect. I've never had that conversation yet. I'm a, I'm a little terrified because I have a mean streak. And if a Nazi says something fucked up, how am I not going to punch them in the face again? Well, the people who are doing that great work are former Nazis. There are a lot of people who have moved over and they're doing that great work, demonstrating this fact that it is possible but at the end of the day, there is no unity without solidarity. There is no solidarity without unity. And in order to have those things, there has to be that mutually that ha there has to be that mutual respect. There was no rainbow coalition with active Nazis hating the people, the people who were part of it, who were black. Those people had to change in order for them to work together. Um, what I was uh, proposing, you know, I think is is a good idea is relevance, you know, wherever the conditions apply at the local and state level. But, but I'm more focused on the idea of getting, getting the debate raised, you know, to a higher level uh, and reaching more people um, concerning the executive branch, which really means executive and judicial branches, especially with the current political climate we're faced with, with Roe v. Wade and, and other Supreme court decisions. Um, 
And and I'm stressing the idea of infiltration. I mean, bring in our own candidate to run in a libertarian primary. Right. Primary. Right. Not just go with whatever the fuck they hand us. Of and course. Just, yeah. You know, latch well, on to vermin supreme or whatever and not even try to win. Why not try to win if you're going to fucking do it, right? Yeah. And Marianne Williamson, although I don't agree with her on everything, um, was a perfect um, – Shit, I can't remember the word for this, but there was no way she was going to win. But she was there to elevate topics that we want to talk about that never would have made it to that stage. And so I hear you. If we're going to do it, let's try to win. I'm obviously for that also. I don't have a lot of faith in getting a candidate that I would truly support at that level. But I'm certainly happy to uh, support the work that you're suggesting. Well, I I mean, you know, it's not like I'm only interested in maybe supporting one party. Wherever the opportunity lies, we should move. One second, Derek. Sorry, because uh, I just I just want to be respectful of you. Awkward. I know that yeah. you you got to get going, and there are people like literally nipping on your heels right now. Shit. So, Derek, we'll, I'll let you back in. Um, but I just I just wanted to make sure that yeah, yeah I I, I I appreciate that. I do have to go. This is being recorded, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this okay, will be cool. Part one, and like I'll we'll, we'll shoot you a DM, and we'll figure out uh, a good time next week. All right. Um, to, That's to, perfect. To finish up the discussion. That's perfect. And, I'll, you know, obviously I'll help get it out there. And anything that I miss from the rest of this conversation, I'll make sure to listen to. Um, thank you to everyone who was listening and wanted to call in. I'm sorry I'm so busy today, uh, but I'll be back on next week. Thank you, Awkward. Thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. Um, and, okay, and like, I think, and, and sorry, to, like, Derek, apologize for having to, you know, uh, uh, put you in the penalty box. Uh, but no, awkward and said he was, <laughs> he was, uh, pretty busy. Um, and I mean, oh, if, I, if I could, and, you know, like, at least give my own, you know, take is, um, and I think it's like tying into something that awkward said is, is I, 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 you know, like, I, I'd say I'm not against. You know, you're saying, hey, we're going to, you know, have a candidate run in that, you know, libertarian, you know, like, just to spread, like, if that's a message spreading thing, but really at the end of the day, it's just, it's damn near impossible for any third party to actually, you know, like, and like win on the national stage. And that wasn't always the case, you know, early 90s, you know, like when I was a kid, there, there were some fucking close calls or at least some like very big threats. Um... And actually, they weren't even close calls, though. They're, you know, you're looking at like what, like twenty something percent, you know. Um, but at, at the end of the fucking day, there's there's only so much that like going into a libertarian party is going to be is going to do okay. because the I think it's a mistake to is, underestimate how many independents would be interested in this idea. Well, you know, like it, while well, I'm interested in other parties, you yeah. know, like the Green Party, for obvious reasons. I mean realistically i know they can't get the independent vote which and that's the thing the thing is is that there's a lot of things that i'd say you know like the strict libertarians so yeah i'd say like like libertarian socialists you know are not the people i'm thinking of i'm talking like thinking like like libertarian libertarians um there's a lot of things that we agree to not like right there's a lot of things that we all agree that sucks Right. You mentioned some of these things, uh, private prisons, uh, the amount of expenditure on, on, on wars and everything like that. There's a lot of things that that they don't like that we also don't like. But where the issue comes is where are we going? 
we can agree that we don't want to like we want to move on from where we're at but as soon as you start asking libertarians the question of where we're going that's when there's a split because they're not all they're also against public investment for housing healthcare, education and food right and those it's, arguments to so, be won you know, which, I mean, who better to the, argue those but things? That, the Libertarian Party is built on that, and so that's where I—that's where I, mean, I look think at what the if, Democratic if, Party is built on, and look at the Bernie Sanders campaign and how if, fast yes, that changed yeah. everything. I will. That's the thing, though, is that there. Uh, all I'm saying is there are limits, right? I'm not saying it's not going to—it it won't work at all, but I don't see the the infiltration of the Libertarian Party as as an actual like solid step because uh -huh. it, it because the like literally the core is also against the things that we want and yeah. i i agree with you that like those those types of arguments can be won but if you watch the libertarian debates like that like they they are not they are not really that close to where we are going you know? Right, that's because we haven't infiltrated them. Imagine uh, those debates we sent our own candidate in. When and I, that's where I, I think there's just going to be have to be a more like community based and like coming up and like that's the thing. I'm not saying okay. don't have someone message in other you know like in, in separate parties and all that type of stuff. I would just say just have a have a limit to to the ends of those results. It, just, it seems like socialists want to limit. Um, how important we actually do take those social issues. If we are prioritizing those issues the way we should, if we're serious, if if we recognize that playtime needs to be fucking over, then I it, as an independent, it's starting to look like a lot of leftists that pat themselves on the back and give great big fucking speeches about all kinds of things. It's like they're competing to show each other just how much better they recognize how bad things are. You know, I mean, I, it's frustrating yeah, I, I the idea. The, it's frustrating the idea that they don't seem to be serious enough about these issues because they dismiss them over these social or these economic issues that they could they could uh, you know with with a presidential debate platform uh, actually face with their adversaries while still acknowledging that we all have this common thread. I mean, how better how, how better would you get more how much more effective would that be to reach all kinds of people that need to be reached when they already are on the same fucking page with all of these other social issues? So that's you know? like not, I, I, I have, a, I have like a thing. fundamental question here, though. I mean, like uh, how how many people are we really talking about? Like, I'm, I'm curious because like uh, I am I'm interested in the idea in so far as like I, I think that like this is something that I haven't heard before. And like I do commend you for like bringing this to this forum. And like, I mean, as awkward. Uh, himself pointed out um, I think that that you got you got something interesting here and uh, to think this through is sure you know like if we are engaging in the in the process of at least like examining what it is um, you uh, are, are pointing out that like these are uh, people who are on board with a lot of the issues 
uh, to the extent that I would accept that, I would basically say that like the Democratic Party, you you could say the same of the Democratic Party as well. Um, so I, I think that like if, if socialists have a strategy of like infiltrating the Democratic Party, which seems to be one prong of what at least the socialists seem to be trying to do. Yeah, I mean, then, you know, the then, big then, problem with that is that the Democrats made it clear that they're they're rigging their elections and they have right. no intention of not rigging their elections. So, so my it's question would be... we definitely don't have access and can't infiltrate. Yeah, and my question would be, how many people are we talking about when we say the Libertarian Party? Because like I haven't seen, at least in the two elections that I've paid really close close attention to maybe maybe three if you count like obama as well before like the libertarian party has really not like clocked any amount of like interest as far as like do you think that like independents would pay more attention to libertarian party debates if um i mean especially if socialists were to go into this like wolf in sheep's clothing kind of or like not wolf in sheep's clothing but more like a trojan horse kind of uh thing where they're kind of like you know take their uh cloak off and then suddenly there's socialists inside like um how effective is that going to be right like in in a sense i mean like it's it's a sleight of hand that you're talking about um how effective is that really going to be i mean it, it wouldn't it be smarter to actually be a separate entity and uh and just be that like as, as an independent or a or a socialist party of some sort like maybe, i'm, I'm maybe curious but, maybe but leftists progressives revolutionaries aren't talking about that in any kind of serious way whatsoever that's just the fault See, that, they're not I, they're I, just i think that they're in circles trying to impress each other about how pissed off they are about how bad things are and they're not interest, interested in constructive ideas the idea that i'm an independent the idea that in leftist circles they're not already considering every possible option shows just how much they are not taking their situation seriously. They're not recognizing how truly fucked and disenfranchised they are. And they're, and they're also pointing out habitually just how much they don't really take these issues seriously. If you want to stop war, you're done with millions of people being fucking massacred by our fucking military arms. Then it's time to fucking do what needs to be done. And I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to say, yeah, let's go all in with the Green Party. But I mean, they're, they've made it clear they're way too interested in talking about the healing powers of fucking crystals or whatever the fuck they're doing. But they're not out there. They're not workers. They're not actively trying to recruit. They're not capable of winning and they're not capable of bringing in independent voters unless things change. And I don't hear anyone talking about how they need, how if, if we're going to get more support behind the Green Party, how we're going to get more independent voters. So if they're not talking about that, what the fuck are they bothering talking at all for? You know so, what I mean? I think, I think, like, so, it's just like a lot, right? So, par- partially, you like, I, I'm kind of like questioning, like, hey, who, who is the critique geared towards? You know, is it online lefties that I agree, you know, on everything you're saying? Um, or is it the people who are actually on the ground, like doing work and focused on like housing and, and healthcare and like, like awkward, you know, cause there are people who are actually doing work to make communities safer, better educated, uh, better housed. And those happen irrespective of parties, Republican, Democrat, or libertarian, those things happen irrespective of elections. True. So, You're absolutely right. I totally agree, and that doesn't dismiss what I just said at all either. No, but what I said is true, and what you said is true. We're both right. No, okay, easy. All right. So this is the, the the point, though, is that when you talk about getting serious about change, 
if if you are then just solely talking about electoral strategy, and I'm mean, like looking at the Libertarian Party, they're looking like membership is under a million people. I agree with you on independence, but when you talk about independence in the United States, it's a much more nuanced population. That is people who are upset with Republicans who are upset with the Republican Party, Democrats upset with the Democratic Party, people who are upset with both, right? And people who just think it's cool. So right. it, it, it doesn't it doesn't actually equate to an ideological ideological base. However, it does allude to just the mass amount of people who are disenfranchised. But then on top of that, you go to the people who are completely disenfranchised from 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 the electoral process altogether. And then there's right. a doubling of the amount of people, right? And this is where, like, right. strategy of, I think you're going to have more luck with unionizing efforts with the, the like, shit, like, Starbucks unionization, the Amazon unionization. You can do like, that, too. You, you hear stories about, there's no like, reason okay, we only have to do one thing or another, though. You know, we could no, do more no, than no. one thing. No, you know? all I'm saying, yeah, but that's the, all I'm saying, though, is, I think those actions should be held much higher in account than okay. than, than, I, than, yeah, than that I didn't mean to be electoral a, project. I didn't mean to be a prick. It seems like the only way to get a word in on this uh, format is to kind of fucking be a little more forceful with your words. Um, otherwise, I just tend to get cut off when I'm super fucking polite. Um, not that you guys do that. I'm just saying, yeah, you know, I, uh, if I sounded like a dick, I didn't mean to I, be. Those people matter and they're doing good work, but that... That doesn't mean what I'm saying isn't relevant either. I, I, I want to point out as far as the numbers of libertarians out there, they're steadily growing very slowly and add those numbers or add all kinds of progressives, leftist revolutionary types that are actually fucking serious about changing those social issues, confronting those issues, exposing those issues on a larger platform. Um, and all the independent voters that would come in ones we bring in, ones that come in on their own, then we start talking about real fucking numbers. And those numbers and those numbers are only enhanced by new voter numbers. New voter uh people are going to be inspired by the idea that there's a coalition of some sort going on here. There's real shit to get excited about instead of, you know, just sitting back and saying, oh, well, you know, this party isn't capable of doing anything. They're not even fucking trying. Yeah, I mean, and, and the only thing that I would say, I think that there's an interesting comment to this effect that's been made, uh, which is that uh, the idea of like, basically, the reason why we're seeing the elections uh, being rigged by the Democrats, uh, in my view, is because like, of the fact that leftists are actually trying to enter. Uh, so I would say that like uh, a similar strategy, you are probably going to see uh, the full force of like corporate uh, corporations and like all sorts of entities like putting a thumb on the scale even in that like and i think that like essentially what we're uh, paying attention to in what in how i see it is that like this seems like an unexplored option and there are unexplored options that i think could be explored uh, one of them definitely is the fact that like there could be a a, a running as a not associated with any of these parties or even like as a, a not even the green party not a libertarian party but to start a new art, new party altogether and like you know uh in the uk like jeremy corbyn had like certain uh like there were r rumors and stuff like that circulating uh but i also want to derek uh i just wanted to say um if you wouldn't mind like uh, we have another caller in the line so would you uh basically be uh okay with taking a step aside for a second and then have doc on yeah, and then yeah. like we could have you come back on if uh, after this call yeah sure yeah of course All thanks right. 
No problem. All right, Doc, get on. Happy Friday, everyone. Definitely, uh, it's some trying times right now. So definitely, there's a, a sense of urgency um, from all spectrums to you know bring about change. And um, you know, it's kind of evident that you've seen how the Democrats are <laughs> fund- fundraising and providing money for you know all these MAGA candidates across the country. Um, you know, they're pulling out the stops to stop uh, pro- progressive uh, Democratic candidates across the country. So it's just, um, it's just, you know, self-evident that the, the horseshoe theory <laughs> really is true among Democrats and Republicans. And it, it, to try to coalesce different people from different spectrums, it's going to be really difficult. But, but focusing on, you know, collective organization, like how Marcus says about the unionizations of these different businesses is the step, the small step that you see a progress going. But in the end, you're seeing the Republicans just going out for absolute power uh, using, you know, not just the judicial system, legislative system, but uh everything, all aspects of it, the economy, uh, access to resources. And, you know, that's where you see a lot of these red states, even though they might have a uh, high percentage of voters that are considered themselves libertarian. But what was their, the rate of uh, access to care for children? How is their, their state uh, uh, ranked among health care for their children? For themselves, healthcare. You see, a lot of these states are in, um, in the bottom. You know where they, you know, they want freedom to do what they want, but it's at the detriment of uh, everyone else. If there's not collective um, empowerment and betterment, so it's just uh, for me, it's just what's gonna kind of give is just you know eventually people are gonna get fed up and start balkanizing, and so it's just. Yeah. Uh, well, that's something that, like, is we need. I think we, it's much because, and like, that's I don't want to sound like I'm a fucking doer or negative Nancy or whatever, but like, Doc, you and I personally know the type of resources and capabilities that, like, this United States military, National Guard, or even the cops can, like, bear down on people. And, like, this thing is like tear gas is just that's phase one, right? Tear gas is just step one. Um, and so, like, the idea that, like, we're going to be able to, like, take over the superstructure, you know, like, I don't know. That that seems like a fucking tall order that actually, yeah, if you look at, like, what's happening within our country, we're going to tear each other apart before that happens. And so, uh, yeah, it, I think that part of it is just, like, a partly mitigation, but it's a self-sustainability. You know, how do we actually create ways to deliver on abortion healthcare, but just healthcare in general without the state, right? How do we actually start fucking working around housing and food and like the things that I say all the time, right? The things that people actually need outside of the system. And I say, like, you bleed the system, right? You got, you do some heist, you, you take resources from the system to build, but yeah, this United States seems like um, 
I mean, people, yeah, like you said it, people are just going to get more and more fed up. And if the security state is, is mostly utilized to halt progress, you know, to stop the, the, you know, action that benefits people, then like that just, that always goes to one way, you know, like open up a history book. This, this only goes one way. So yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, and I think like uh, the the one thing that I kind of want to maintain as a as my like kind of rationale is that like if you're a socialist and you're like if you're someone who's uh, appealing to a base or a, or a group of people who you think a majority agree with you, then I think that like you might as well just like be an independent and state that and like start at the local level and like Shama Sawant is somebody who comes to mind and of course like she has an organization and all of that, but like essentially basically be that candidate and like not really if you if you if you're dabbling with electoralism that is and and like it again it doesn't have to stop at electoralism there's there's unionization and like uh just in general organizing your local community and stuff like that um and essentially if you want to be part of any like the infiltration thing is essentially what what i think like we don't have to is what i understand that to be it feels like an extra step rather than to just like um which is basically how i started i have started feeling about uh, infiltrating the democratic party either so it's like if the project is to go in and change the democratic party rather than to actually enact the policy that you want to enact then i think like there's a double step involved here and i understand that like you know in 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 at least like in the national scale because of the amount of power that democratic party has like it's absolutely seeming necessary to the people who are engaged in this project but i also feel like you could just at, if you're starting out at a local level, at, at a state level, then you can just, like, be the independent candidate. And I think, like, you know, um, Bernie Sanders getting elected as a senator, um, caucusing with the Democrats from Vermont, like, is is something that, like, and I hope that, like, more people could try to do something like that as opposed to, you know, trying to always, like, go in through a political party, already, ex- like, wanting a already existing platform to go and stand on. Like, I feel like you might have to build the platform that you want to stand on as well. Um, yeah. Like you said, you know, you don't have to be subversive if you're, you know, standing on what's, you know, righteous and, and being truthful. And like how Marcus always says, uh, you know, one of the fallacies of Bernie is that he doesn't outright tell, you know, when he was having that debate with Lindsey Graham, you know, straight instead of telling him he's a liar, he's making up stuff. He's, you know, he's twisting words. And so independent candidates need to be straight straight out with the truth and not be politically civil with their you know their opponents because they're willing to subvert lie cheat steal do everything to maintain power and so that's where um coming out with the righteous truth be able to awaken people's uh, you know consciousness to what you know this this castle of sand that we live in which is you know this you know, united states but um no, it's, it's it's a difficult situation right now. I mean, like how Marcus is saying, the police state, the system will, will bear down on you know anyone that's willing to change, to try to change it. So, aside from an external external force to be able to, to bring um, to bear to crush the system, it's going to be a tall order to to change it from within. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think um, 
part of the yeah, part of the issue is that it's going to look a lot different, you know, in some different areas. Um, and going back to what Awkward was saying, um, locally, you know, things look way, way different than they do federally. Like I one hundred percent, and like you know, Karthik mentioned uh, Kishawa Sawan, but there are dozens. Hopefully, soon there will be hundreds of. Like social, like in New York, even like that's where too. It's like you can actually stop some of the bleeding on the local level. You know, there's there's local city councils that that aren't instilling socialism in their in their communities, but they are actually able to just stop the continuance of bad things, which is good. Um, but they're also building up to you know a greater community having an understanding of not only what capitalism is doing to us. But the the, the the imagination of of, of, a, of a better alternative world. Oh man, I'm having trouble. Um, and that's kind of like the hard thing is that it's like it takes a lot of people doing a lot of different things, but have the understanding. And it's like you know where you're going, what is the goal that we're working towards? Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be easier because more and more people are seeing that. The Democratic Party's not be able to take them where they want to go, you know. So, so it's kind of on us like, or, to try and create the political institutions that are able to do so. And then, you know, you can kind of see how it happens. Um, you, know, you can look to the U.S. pull out of Afghanistan, how for 20 years the system was, was put in place, a system of corruption where you had NATO, other countries, everyone was me off the oppression of people. And that racket, that racket was up. They pulled all the money and left it, you know, to their own devices. But now there they have more stability than what we, we try to do for the past 20 plus years. And so that's where seeing that, pushing that economic collapse within our system is kind of like the only way we can uh, deprive the, the oligarchs of that power withholding our economic um, um, power that we have as being a consumer. And that's where at least, you know, I try, you know, growing my own food and being conscious of what I buy and what I support. And that's kind of just a small step, but you kind of, um, consciousness has to awaken within, you know, everyday people to really not feed into the system to be able to bring change. All right. So, Doc, uh, you got anything else? Uh, because Derek seems to have queued himself up, so we could take the call uh, by Derek. I appreciate it. Happy Friday and enjoy uh, your weekend. And there's nothing to celebrate about the 4th. Right. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for calling, Doc. Always good to hear you. Uh and and yeah, like enjoy the day off. Like there's nothing to celebrate though. All right, Derek, you're on again. Hey, thanks. Um, somebody I don't know who brought up uh, history, the importance of his- the importance of history uh, as it's relevant to you know what's going on now and what will be going on in the future. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, on the topic of infiltration of political parties, I mean. You know, all kinds of people on the left, uh, habitually and reflexively toss out, you know, this sort of substandard version of history that they think they are masters of. 
uh, you know, where there was this sudden shift during the Nixon administration and uh, the parties flipped, you know, like overnight, virtually. I mean, you know, there the, the things happened that were relevant yet, yeah, but the real shift occurred when progressives in the Republican Party left the Republican Party because the Republican Party sold out to banking interests. They were done with the Republican Party and they were serious and they weren't fucking around. They weren't interested in just talking about what's wrong. They immediately entered their enemy's fucking political party, which is a piece of shit party known as the Democratic Party that absolutely was committed to, you know, fucking from the beginning, slavery, segregation, denying women their right to vote. Within a short period of time, they were able to transform it because they were done playing around, because they were taking these issues seriously. They had skin in the game. You know, a lot of the talk on the left seems to come from this lofty place where it's, it's, it sounds like a bunch of grad students trying to impress each other about how much they fucking care. Well, you know, I, I think, I think even in that sense, though, like if you, I guess what, like, I don't, I don't accept that the left, the, you know, like, I guess was like always excluded or always kind of like, like, so I guess basically, yeah. Like, and I think there's a little bit more nuance there because, um, when you're talking even about the shift of those parties, those parties still only cover down on the elites, right? You know, ever since the beginning, like both, like in, like you're accurate in describing the shifts between the parties. The Democratic Party was like, historically like the racist one um and then you know like flips dealing with slavery and all that type of shit right like that's understood or afterwards right um but the left has a separate history in the united states you know when where like multiple strikes and and unionization efforts that were like brutally quelled like squashed by the united states government um plus you know like the Carmen communist party usa like used to be an actual like legitimate party uh and you know that there's a lot of things that happen but like looking at the fact of 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 COINTELPRO um like the the attacks on the left the subjugation of the left the type of propaganda that people get you know through through their you know day-to-day in the United States where like communism is is terrible it's worst thing ever right red scare all these things come in speak about infiltration right like that was the ultimate infiltration where uh we we tried to infiltrate from our end and grassroots stuff and all of that but like when once the once capital infiltrates you start actually seeing i mean like look what happened to black lives matter like it's it's essentially not even an infiltration it's like a co-optation and uh money infiltrate money coming into the picture um and like when it uh, when infiltration is initiated on this direction of, uh, you know, on the grassroots direction, there is infiltration from the corporate direction. And uh, we, we were essentially dealing with a, a question of who has more power and authority. Uh, but before that, I kind of want to ask you a question of like, when you say left, I really want to hear who you're talking about. Because like, um, there is, the, it, this is like a, a, a framing that I have seen a lot of times in the United States. And I feel like everybody basically talks about whoever they particularly feel uh, that they're addressing some specific individual or entity or organization, but uh, are, are using like this more obscure, larger word. So I kind of want you to like more specifically describe who you're talking about. Well, I mean, yeah, 
that brings up another point that probably needs to be talked about. Uh, I mean, if, if people who describe themselves as being leftists, uh, want to actually get more effective and influential in trying to convert people or persuade people in any way, they should probably stop calling themselves leftists because leftist doesn't mean anything. Leftist just, what does that mean? That means you're left of authoritarianism, totalitarianism, fascism. Wow. What a bold fucking statement. It's such a chicken shit way to like fucking describe yourself, you know? And the people that that describe themselves as being leftists, I mean, I agree with on most of the issues, but I mean, Jesus, have them walk into a fucking bar in the Midwest and try to persuade anyone by declaring themselves to be leftists and then providing like a five to 10 minute explanation for what the fuck that means. Like anyone cares. How, what, like, how do you describe yourself? I, I also like would, would like to I tell basically people I'm an independent and then right. the Democrats and Republicans shut their fucking mouths because they know they're dealing with somebody that's not fucking around. So you can they know they're fascist. dealing with somebody that doesn't fucking like them. You know what I mean? So you could be a fascist. If you describe yourself as independent, you could be a fascist. No, independent just means you're independent. And from there on, then then as you discuss issues, then it becomes clear where I stand on those issues. You know what I mean? So, so, but like, that's what I'm saying though, is that describing yourself as an independent gives, I'd say even more ideological leeway than describing yourself as a leftist. Because like, as an independent, someone who's independent from the Republican or Democrat, you could be an anarchist or, you know, I doubt that an anarchist would file the paperwork to be an independent, but like, you could be an anarchist or a fascist. Yeah, it, independent just means you are independent. That's it. And independents recognize that. They recognize the fact that they don't know where you're well, coming from. So you try to figure it out. But, but then an independence, independent is also like someone who could be mistaken to be a, a center down the road, like someone who actually, there's a, there's a, a kind of emerging consciousness, especially uh, among people who uh, are, are, I can definitely say, are influenced heavily by capital, who like calling themselves, like, I'm neither left nor right, it's forward. I don't want to insinuate uh, this, like, you know, you clearly know who, what sort of group I'm talking about. But, like, basically, this is kind of like a, a, a positioning where, I don't know if you've seen the meme, where if you, if you say that, like, you're neither neither left nor right, then you're right. Uh, as in like your right wing in, in, in a very clarifying way. And uh, I'm not saying this to dismiss anybody, but I'm saying like there is a characterization like that that exists as well. Um, right. And even now, I would like to ask again, I think the point is that like, first of all, somebody who self-identifies as a leftist, um, I think that like more people on the right label people as leftists than la- leftist self-labeling because leftists especially... Uh, for convenience, maybe there are places where leftists would self-identify as leftists, but like more specifically, when it comes down to actual political discussion, I have only seen leftists self-identify as something. Only the only thing is that like a neoliberal will never identify as a leftist, and a leftist will never identify as purely a leftist. Would have something more to say than just leftist. It could be libertarian socialist, it could be socialist. No, seriously, yeah. I mean, like, I, I would like to hear who you think, and this is kind of why I'm, like, coming to the who more specifically. Are these, like, people okay. on the on the ground? Are these, like, people who are friends of yours? Are these people who are online and tweeting? Are these, like, YouTube personalities, podcasters? Are these electoral uh, candidates for electoral office at the city, local, state level, or are these federal candidates? I'd like to hear a little bit of of clarity on who you are thinking of when you are calling leftists. So, okay, to 
to simplify your question, who are the people I'm referring to as leftists? Um, mm-hmm. I'm referring to everybody that calls himself a leftist. That's it's a circular it's a circular argument because like I, I I'm asking you to more specifically direct your ire towards someone who I mean if you okay if a person who is uh, at your grocery store identifies as a leftist I don't think that that person is doing that much harm necessarily maybe that person loses an opportunity to convert one person or two people on an everyday basis. But like if a person who is running at the federal level identifies as a leftist, which they don't, quite truthfully, I don't think that there's anyone who's running for office who identifies themselves as a leftist. They might identify themselves as a democratic socialist or a social democrat or a or a socialist or like anything like that. But I don't think that there's been a bland identification as a leftist by anybody who's running for office, at least, because like that is a, you are right. You are absolutely right that it is a, an ineffectual non-descriptive term but and that's precisely why i don't know if there is enough people who are identifying as that like and that's why i'm asking you to uh okay. if, if well, you're talking I'll about average it. yeah go ahead sorry so, yeah no i didn't mean to interrupt sorry man. no no go, go ahead. ahead go ahead okay. go ahead yeah okay well i mean all kinds of people that claim to be leftists uh, aggressively support mandates they ex- aggressively supports uh censorship um you know, I mean, like, think of all the, the people on YouTube or whatever, like, the, the ridiculous, scummy sellouts at TYT call themselves leftists, you know? So, I mean, all kinds of people that call themselves leftists have no problem voting for horrible fucking candidates. And by saying they're leftists, they're kind of, you know, that's on, that's on them. There's different kinds, obviously, and all kinds of them I respect immensely. And I wish they'd stop calling themselves leftists because they'd be much more effective at getting through to more people but see and this is I mean, the, and truth is, some... the truth is is the truth you got like gotta like people have to face it that the entire left as a very general kind of descriptive word is just as meaningless as the right and a lot of this running to the word leftist came from this kind of slack-jawed stuttering beady-eyed staring at the ground whenever confronted with somebody that has a different fucking opinion Okay, running from right, the word right, liberal right, and right. then they ran to the then they ran to the word okay. progressive and then they ran to the word leftist and there's nowhere to go after that because it's meaningless at that point anyway and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna ask that you don't give any more physical descriptors you know when describing people you know like i'm not gonna try and say you're no, fair enough. Until the other, but like, like you know let's just we're, we're i think just you get the gist, too, but i think um uh, honestly there i think like there might be some issues with a like your your understanding, because like left ideology is real, right? That is something that 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 is defined throughout history, and it like really it, be, it begins uh, after the French Revolution, right? Where the people who are more populist, who wanted more uh, uh, a, a government that served the people, they were literally lined up on the left side of the room. The people who are un- representing capital. The moneyed interest uh, landowners, they lay aligned on the right. And so since then, you do have this understanding like of a political a political ideology. That is That wrong. understanding does wait, not wait, exist here. Wait, 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 wait. No, Derek, I'll okay. let you go. Right. I'll be like, you, you talk for a while, right? You talk for a while. Okay. Let me True. go. Okay, so, so these two very broad sections, they, they still exist. 
what we have here in the United States is a horrible, horrible education system, in which case people really don't have the understanding of of politics in general, and especially not these different political ideologies. And also, too, it's like there's an overlap of economic ideology, right? Where like capitalism is seen as 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 some type of political ideology instead of just the economic system that is upheld by political systems, right? Um, and so with 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 all that, right, is is I think it's just to say is that I I think you yourself would be better spent not worrying about leftists. I think that the people that's a any, hell of a any, thing to say to an independent. Are leftists just no, openly no, dismissing no. independence at this point? See, this is this is the thing is that I'm not like I'm I'm saying your concern over leftists, I think is it's it's I I would say it's not worth your time, right? The concern okay. of of the way people identify themselves and whether that's shaky, and that's the thing is that like if someone says that they are independent to me, I honest I think the same thing, the same critique that you have on people calling themselves leftists, I think it's okay. in more so when people call themselves independent because that is that has less meaning, you know that has especially in the context of the American you know political system where independent is literally the third option, right? Because you don't have green, you don't have libertarian, you don't have any other fucking party. You've just got independent that actually encompasses those and the people who are completely out of those. So when you describe when you describe yourself as an independent, that doesn't allow me to have any understanding of, of, of what your policies, you know, concerns are. Right, I don't need to describe. I'm an independent. That's the point. Okay, but a leftist actually you know I mean? does, and I, a leftist actually does, right? Someone on the left states themselves as as a leftist. There is an actual point that is given to give some direction, and so no. that's yeah. I guess what I was, I'm saying, like, I don't think you should be concerned with the way leftists describe themselves because you you really don't seem too concerned with identifying things that are actually descriptive. Okay, as an independent, that just means you're an independent. You get to describe yourself however you want as an individual if you're saying leftist then you're allowing yourself to get lumped in with all kinds of goofy ass fucking sellouts and i think so, that's a mistake. which and that's the thing is that like as an independent you, you, as an independent on, yeah. same thing as an independent you get to lump you lump yourselves in with a bunch mm -hmm. of goofy assholes like Rand paul or the guy that said uh, he, people are going to regulate him using a toaster at the libertarian debate you know like those are independents yeah so you you are also lumping yourself in with them, or is that no, not? That's not no, how it works. That's not how it works no. for independent. It only works for left. No, it does. It doesn't work left like that with independence. That's okay. why it's such a difficult struggle for all kinds of people to wrap their heads around the idea that you need to get to know people. Independence. There's a wide variety of independence, absolutely, but we all regard each other as distinctly separate people without this agenda that is compromising us. What do you, you mean know? by agenda it, that is compromising us? What does that mean? Well, either misplaced loyalty to a political party, either closeted or not. You know, there's a lot of leftists out there that voted for Joe Biden. You know, they don't want to admit that out in public. An independent doesn't have a problem with expressing, telling people who they voted for. I know plenty of because people who justified on their own. leftists who are, have no problem saying that they voted for Joe Biden. There's a lot of people okay, who consider themselves leftists who say this is a strategic thing. You know, 
Well, there's a dis- there's a sense of disappointment when you feel like you have to do something like vote for Joe Biden, right? Right. But you, you shouldn't feel ashamed of yourself, and that comes through, and it comes across as weak and pathetic. When an independent voted for Joe Biden, they make wait, it clear that they felt like they had to wait, stop wait, something. Wait, 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 Derek, Derek, Derek. I'm gonna ask you. Stop describing people. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's just not describing people. Let's just not. So right. you could have an issue with, but like you're now just, you're just, it seems like you just call names of people you got mad at online. I okay. I, I, I just oh, wanted okay. like basically say yeah, we lost, yeah. we, we have up. like two I mean, people on the left. They habitually fucking rip apart libertarians and independents and shit on them all over the fucking place. You're not open to the idea of anyone outside of your bubble having any kind of fucking criticism thrown the other way. In the end, that's where you guys are going. It's your special little fucking super revelate revolutionary club. And only leftists, as you define them. I mean, come on. Either we're on the same page or we're not. We got to fucking like get real about confronting these issues and recognize the importance. I need you guys. You guys need me, and and all kinds of independents like me. You need libertarians. If you want to confront these issues, it's time to stop playing fucking goofy little games on a playground. <laughs> and, and that's where, like, yeah, I think, like, got it, Derek. Thanks. Um, fuck me, that's cool. Rich, Whatever, the fuck ever. Respectfully, you know? dis- respectfully All right, uh, we just we just yeah. have to basically uh, uh, we, we yeah, take the next so, caller. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, go ahead. I, I, I hey guys, like to yeah, listen. To, to tell you the honest truth, Wait, I'm before, me, before, before me. you go, Lance. Before you go, and I'm sorry that this forced me to. This isn't even fucking working. Um, but no, see, and like this is this is where like can't I, like a having just you're just upset and you're saying all oh, these people are pathetic. And all these things, like there is a lack of engagement, obviously, on one side, and and that's where like you're not engaged with the left, you're not engaged with the movement, you're just critiquing people online, and like that's that's okay, that's fine, but like just be honest, just be honest, um, and okay, so next up, Lance, Lance, you're on. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, uh, you know, I'm left of center. I mean, you know, I'd like to say left of Bernie Sanders, not quite a Marxist, but uh, definitely Richard Wolf would be my uh, Treasury Secretary. Of <laughs> so that's where I am politically. And if I could flip a coin uh, or no, if I had a magic wand, I mean, and I was, uh, as they say, philosopher king, like if you had your way, could do anything. I'd make a parliamentary system about like Europe. And yes, I'd have if I could, you know, again, I'm, I'm God here. Right? We're a philosopher king. I'd have a responsible right wing party and then maybe a center right party, maybe or set, like center right, center left, you know, like a something that's more honest of a corporate. I'd have four of my leftist party. You know, there'd be a, a Marxist and a communist. There might be a socialist. And then there would be maybe a couple of like, you know, a green and there might be a, oh, not libertarian, but whatever. I'd have the, I'd run the gamut a little bit. Of course, I'd I'd weigh it to the left a little bit, but you know, I'd have multi parties. We're not having that in America. The idea that third parties are some weird thing that we've never. We had a, a, a guy in jail got like a, a six. How many millions of votes? He got six percent of the vote in jail, right, Debs? We also had socialist mayors and socialist. I don't know about senators, but mayors and and and, and congressmen. We, okay, it was the third party push that caused FDR, the patrician, to really to really ally. With the, with Horford, with the, with the working class. He wasn't afraid of them, but he said, look guys, we got to save capitalism. And that's why he did it. The farmer labor party, 
the third parties throughout history, Ross Perot talking about deficit, 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 that goofy guy who was president after he, you know, bombed out, right? Whatever with his, it was Clinton. What did they do? They balanced the fucking budget in a weird bullshit way. But don't say third parties haven't had a huge effect on this country. Ralph Nader was being a little bit exaggerative when he said, if everybody agreed with me in 2000, he said this, I'd be president. That might not have been true then, but with the after Obama and all that crap in 2016, not Howie Hawkins, 2020, he's he's a joke. I know the guy. I actually know him personally a little bit. Okay, he's all about Howie Hawkins. Jill Stein was the real deal. She had a responsible view, whatever, whatever. She could have been a very good president and win and and not not play the games and Howie. So she could have been. It could have been true with her if everybody that agreed with Jill Stein, if the whole left YouTube left, instead of argue about whether it was viable, pushed her. She could have gotten 20, 30, 40. Maybe she wouldn't have won, but it would have been, oh, my God, look at this new third party. So the idea and the two major parties started as third party. OK, the abolitionists got two, two dozen people in a schoolhouse in Wisconsin said, fuck this. We're abolitionists. There's a corporate, a lot of corporatism in the Republican Party by that time. And they uh, elected a president six years later. And there was a lot of abolitionists already. They weren't the only ones that, yeah, we're going to be like Christ Christians, uh, two dozen people. They picked up on it. Six years later, they had a president. They would have been a third party. They weren't going anywhere. So all that is true. But here's what I'm saying, guys. And I'll, I'll leave with this to make this last point about the left is gone. Two things. We, you have to work across the aisle. I spoke to a girl, woman who was a Green Party. I'd vote for her in a minute and said, what if your only choice? Because she said, yeah, she votes this and that. And she's running for office. I said, what if you happen to just wind up, you know, weirdy, like not like a, a, a country club Republican where you can win them over with uh, Trump's bad because they hate him so much. But no, a total Trumpville, 80, 90 percent Trump, 10 percent Democrat. OK, definitely going to be the Trump guy going to win. And the Trump guy, though, the conservative, for whatever reason, happens to win a primary because the other guy dropped dead. Who knows why? He doesn't, he's not a Trumper. He wants, he's against mass incarceration. He's against, uh, corporate, corporatism. He wants all the big corporations that are going to fail to fail. And if their banks and their businesses are too big to fail, then break them the fuck up and make them small. Take all that money we save, give it to small businesses. Being a conservative, I don't want welfare. I want everybody to make 30 bucks an hour on legitimate, real, small business America. Let's suppose he only just hypothetically ran, I said to her, on all of the overlap of the Venn diagram, all the things that conservative populists would want. And would, who would you pull the lever for? And she thought about, I'd have to pull. And oh, by the way, the Democrat is like the most corrupt Democrat who can't possibly win anyway at 10%. He's like the one of the worst uh, in terms of his politics. He's just a corrupt. He's pro-life, like we know they support in the Democratic Party. He's pro-corporate, which we know they support. He's a real sleazebag, you know, practically in jail, but he's the Democrat, and you have an honest, good faith, you know, but he's a Republican. Could you pull the lever for the Republican? She said, no, I'd have to vote for the Democrat. Game over. She's very representative of the whole deal. Okay, and that's what about the DSA. They had their national convention and said, if you don't clap, please wave your hands over the air. And if if an amplified microphone bothers you, we have faith room. And one last thing. The conservatives have good ideas. All the good ideas aren't progressive. No, 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 Lance. Like, and I'm going to say, like, y'all know that, like, a host of a show, right, is the host. Like, I don't want to be a dick, but, like, myself and Karthik host the show right i can just mute you so if i ask politely hold on one second please acquiesce i'm not trying to be a jerk so lance see where i have an issue is that you are you 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 get to a point where you're critiquing the dsa for actions that is just normal poly party politics and 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 so like i i, I just 
at that point, I have to stop you and disagree because things that DSA do is nowhere close to the horrible anti-democrat democratic shit that goes on in the both major parties and that's been the case since this whole thing started right so i mean and that's the thing it's like you said a lot i'm not sure i'm not sure where you're going or if you have a question but on that point i hopefully disagree and that the left is somehow doing something that is more nefarious than war criminals and genocidal maniacs right like I, I like, so Clinton can fly on Epstein's plane, but there's no silencing going on in the Democratic Party. Am I to understand that? I'm sorry. I was just doing my best to shut the hell up. What did you ask me? I'm asking you if you would 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 still hold your claim that the DSA is is silencing voices more so than what the Republican and Democratic parties already do and have been doing. In a way, way worse scale. And I bring up Clinton flying around on Epstein's plane and still being able to speak at inaugurations and all this type of thing. You know, like, how do you, how, how does that square, you know, in your in your mind? Well, I wasn't talking about, like, stifling, like, political voices. But, yeah, yeah, the Democratic Convention, the National Convention, and the Republican Convention does not say, please don't clap. And we 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 know that a lot of you are going to be triggered by uh, uh, amplified voices. Oh my God! Okay, all right. <laughs> can I finish, no, can I finish no, the point? No, I'm, just, right. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no. sorry. But... No, I don't care. Uh, like, because like that's the thing is, if you're worried about loud, like people asking other people to not clap loudly when the other two parties start and facilitate genocidal wars that kill mil and like sanctions, you're killing millions on top of millions, driving us into climate climate crisis that's going to destroy our ability to live on this planet if you're coming to me saying they asked me to be not, not so loud that's your problem really he's like no i don't want to hear anymore i don't want to hear you finish that it's worthless and I, I apologize i'm getting kind of riled up but like this is just silly this is silliness it is it is a little like uh, unsettling and, and in fact like I'm more disheartened than any 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 kind of angry because like it does seem like there is a, a a disproportionate kind of disappointment that is being directed towards like institutions such as DSA. I mean I'm I'm not the biggest like uh, supporter. I am not a member of DSA. Let me be completely straight up with you about that. Uh, with that said, the fact that like there is a viable strategy that this organization is being as transparent as possible and like trying to be as democratic as possible. They have done some shitty shit as well. Like the kind of shit that went down with the international committee is not something that I stand for, uh, etc. So with that yeah, said, like, like the, the idea of, yeah, the idea of like, uh, this becoming like the talking point that like supposedly this, uh, you know what this is striking me as this is a, an, a reluctance on the part of like some individuals or like a large group of individuals to not want to associate with a particular set of practices which which have purely aesthetic value it's not even like the pol political value of these practices it's like this fear of like being emasculated by this kind of uh, practice where uh, you think that like this is not how you win power and stuff like that but i have to say i mean like i do come from a country where 
there there was a, a one of the most impactful significant kind of uh, leaders was someone who uh, regularly uh, subjected himself to hunger strikes and stuff like that uh, and like at every possible like uh, instance of uh, mutiny or revolt would want to totally steer the conversation towards himself and like had a little bit of a a kind of messianic complex as far as that is concerned but what was significantly effective in like you know bringing a lot of people together like I'm, I'm of course talking about Gandhi and I'm not like equating DSA to Gandhi but I'm saying that there are strategies that you would not want to identify with because it's not your brand of like uh you know you're not able to self identify with it but at the same time you cannot deny the effectiveness of something that is actually being able to produce results and i think like i would particularly just direct anybody who's listening to just look at the results like is you might be upset about the culture that this uh, you know uh brings forth because like you think that like this is uh not how you should behave if you're trying to uh, you know uh, depict strength or something like that but quite honestly if is does it work is it effective is it achieving the stated goals that's all that we get to measure any kind of effort based on like i don't think that you can measure an effort ba- nobody is measuring and i think that's the that's the point where i'd leave you with marcus which is that uh, nobody is measuring the democratic or the republican party based on their stated goals so why is it that like uh, the, the the dsa doesn't get measured uh by its according to its stated goals i think that's the, the least you can do is to basically hold them to what they're saying that they're going to do and how they're doing it is that not a simple enough like straightforward enough thing to follow uh, yeah no i mean i agree with that i just think we had two callers that were literally just like they got yelled at online and they had to cry about it like that's like after all of the talk that's basically where what i've boiled down to is that you, you get a like someone was mean to them online and they had like a rose emoji in their profile and so like now we got to deal with this shit but brady we will bring you in um i think yeah mute is in the or yeah i think you're good what's up thanks yeah. for calling yeah what's up guys thanks for hosting us i'm going to go a little bit off topic but it's pretty pertinent man sorry i missed your rapper but i was in an app called clubhouse which is like a Republican uh, Donald worshiper safe space for them to all hang out and talk to each other. Right. And you would be shocked at some of the things that you end up hearing inside these chat rooms uh, where these uh, Donald worshipers hang out together and specifically the ones with the frog emojis on their profile pics are like incredibly violent and dangerous individuals. Like, um, they're pretty bloodthirsty and hellbent on doing real damage to people. They're just complete mindless psychopaths. So this is a call to arms to all my fellow lefties to join Clubhouse and start silently recording some of these conversations so we can compile some of this information and start making reports on what these people are actually talking about when they feel like no one else is listening. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's something that's like... Um... I don't know if you're familiar with the guy, uh, Chad Loader, who, uh, I mean, like, I just like him, like, aware of, like, his Twitter, but, like, account, and, like, they, a lot of fucking, you know, like, doxing, um, and also, uh, Natalia Levin, um, is another one, but, like, yeah, you know, and that's the thing, though, is that, like, a lot of these, you know, websites and stuff like that, like, they'll pop up and immediately, you know, like, the right will, like, fucking, 
swarm it and like make it their own fucking space where like and i mean hell you look at what's coming up and like all around like january 6th and shit like that and like they literally they put their plans online they talk about it i mean they were live streaming it as you're breaking into the fucking capital um but like yeah and i so i I mean yeah i agree you know like that's definitely something like people can like watch out for and like yeah Yeah, and just seriously like help save lives as well because like you like you said these people are fucking dangerous yeah dude um i underestimated them i have to admit i was kind of in the in the in the camp that said okay you know this january 6th movement is being used as a way to label american citizens as terrorists and this is eventually going to be used to label lefties as terrorists so while i'm aware of that aspect of the situation i'm also painfully reminded today of how dangerous these fools really are. And um, so I would just recommend that we go in. And also, I'm happy to report that the alt-right can't fight. Like when I go into these rooms and I debate them um, as a real lefty, uh, it doesn't take long before I establish myself as the alpha in the room. And even some of the members of their rooms are saying, this guy has y'all in the palm of his hands right now. You know, like I'm absolutely eviscerating these guys in debates. And I'm getting blocked out of multiple conservative rooms. They're kicking me out left and right. So conservative, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, censorship is live and well in these uh, Donald you, worshiper chat Ray, rooms. Can I ask you a question? Would you say yeah. that some of the groups and individuals you interact with consider themselves like independent or libertarians? No, the, uh, the majority of the people in Clubhouse that I've kind of experienced so far are very open Donald worshipers, like blind, drooling Donald worshipers, you know. Um, I, I just want to like, uh, yeah, I mean, like Lance is also entering the caller queue. I just wanted to basically say the one thing uh, that uh, I don't know if I responded to, which is the the Washington candidate uh, voting for a Democrat over a conservative populist. The only way that that question can be answered is to ask the question of what organization that person is affiliated with. So I would urge you to start thinking along the lines of, yes, you identify as independents, etc. Even Derek had this idea of like um, an independent infiltrating a libertarian um, party, which is essentially an organization. You're joining an organization. Regardless of what you want to do with it, you are basically going in somewhere where there are a specified set of values and you're basically tapping the sign for everybody who's straying away from that saying, hey, these are the values that you said you will follow. Yeah, I'm holding you accountable to the values that you are saying you will follow. Let's say this uh, Washington uh, radical who is voting for a Democrat over a conservative populist, the way you hold this person accountable is by basically being an organization or like asking what organization this person is a member of and having that organization hold them accountable. Can you as a voter uh, hold them accountable? Can you as an audience member, a spectator, hold them accountable? The maximum that we can do is basically do what we're doing right now, which is like debate whether that was right or wrong or how bad it was or how good it was. And I can uh, definitely agree with you to the extent that I want to agree with you. I can disagree with you to the extent that I want to disagree with you. How, what good that does that do? The thing that we actually need to be focusing towards and orienting ourselves towards is what organization are you willing to be a part of? Do you want to be a part of an organization? Are you open to the, the idea that you want to be part of a unit that will uh, be held accountable by a shared set of rules? Because that's the only way by which you can hold anybody accountable. And, and, if, and my guess, as far as this Washington candidate, 
candidate would be, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what exactly the context is, but my completely uninformed guess would be the fact that you are, uh, that this person is um, possibly a member of the Democratic Party. I don't think that there is any other way that you can explain like a radical, independent, unaffiliated member essentially defaulting to the position of like, a, um, you know, supporting the Democratic Party. And, and even then, like, I feel like there's a there's a little bit of a dissonance even in certain organizations. For example, CPUSA, Communist Party USA, firmly, vehemently came out for the Democratic Party against Trump. Is that, does that mean that communists are like basically sellouts? You could argue that actually in this case, like CPUSA could be an entirely entirely compromised organization. So essentially we have to start thinking along the lines of how you can actually hold the people accountable. And as for, as for the, you know, defending the DSA, uh, holding this, uh, you know, quiet convention as opposed to one with applause, you know, you could you could be the person I am again, like I'm speaking as somebody who's outside that framework. I don't claim to know that framework. And if within that framework, there are enough people who are agreeing with this, who are not. I mean, we are basically sitting outside and like, you know, uh, laughing at people who are doing things a certain kind of way. If the people who are doing it that kind of way are OK with it being that kind of way, then I would say that it's really the only thing that that determines is whether or not you want to join that organization. It doesn't determine that organization's effectiveness. Um, with that yeah, said, I would like to bring whoever's well, next. I, I guess, <laughs> like just with this, like those, the, yeah, with that election and like who to choose. I mean, like, I agree with you. It's like, if you're a part of an organization and especially too, it's like, this is how politics works, right? This is how party politics actually work. You know, there is some type of, you know, a pressure from the overall group for people to act in conjunction with another. That's the whole fucking point of a party. And so, yeah, like if a, I doubt that you've, um, I, I doubt that there's going to be someone that's going to do like, Oh, Hey, completely independent or whatever. Then that person is going to do whatever they want. But, um, yeah, as far as, uh, as far as someone that's in the democratic party, like they're going to do party shit. And, from my perspective, that like the point I guess that I've been trying to make is that this electoral strategy isn't the end all be all, right? It's not going to actually. Well, and that, that's the thing too. It's like if we're dealing with libertarians, they don't agree with my perspective that housing, healthcare, food, education, these things should be guaranteed without any type of payment. I think that that there needs to be a government completely directed to helping and working for working class. Period. Full stop. So in, you know, for for Lance saying he would want, he would have all types of people in a multi-fucking party, like, no, no, I, I, I am, I disagree. I think one party is better. <laughs> so that's, that's just it. We're not even coming from the frame, same framework for us to be discussing the problem, like the solutions to problems, because on, in no way, shape or form does one vote come close to doing anything that's necessary to actually solve the problems that we have. Um, and it sucks because uh, Karthik, he had to go, but he's going to stay muted. Um, and I think I can bring in Enrico, the mute button to the bottom right. Hello, hello, Enrico. Which, I don't know. Um, but I guess I'll just, yeah, keep running my stuff. Like, like if, if, if Enrico wants to pop in. Um, because, yeah, you know, like, and overall, like, Lance and, uh, 
the other guy, you know, the issues that you're bringing up with like the DSA or people not infiltrating the Libertarian Party is is completely avoiding what the actions of the left are, what the goals of the left are. You know, it's, it's very much focusing on, on these little like fucking specific things that really don't carry weight in any type of left ideology or in the actions that are happening on the ground. And so, you know, it's just, you know, kind of like, I don't know. I feel like you got y'all talking about lefties, you know, people bitching about the DSA that aren't a part of the DSA. It's a waste of time. Go outside, do something. Right. Like, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think though that we are good. I mean, Rico, I don't know if you are going to unmute, but we might just call it there. Um, if I guess if no one else wants to call in and, and, and Lance, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to pick you up. I'm just like, maybe next time. All right. We can, we can just take a moment, take a breather and, and go from there. But yeah, you know, like, uh, no, Derek, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> we'll take a breather. Same thing. Same, same. All right. We'll take a breather. We'll come back next time. If, uh, Oh, Rico. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hello. Hi. Uh, yeah, I guess I didn't even know I had called in. I did it with my pocket while I was doing some dishes. But I, uh, can I get your take on the, the importance of cooperatives? Because I think that, especially with like the gig economy and stuff like that, the, the potential that labor like unions have, and there's still a lot of it that's yet to be exploited, but it has less total potential than it once did. And I think that um, cooperatives as an alternative are should get a little bit more uh, energy put towards them than they currently do. Yeah, no, um, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, and like, and honestly, too, it's like the, the, the cooperative is the, is the response. The cooperative is like you know, what I believe, you know, like hope is like the next evolution in like just business markets, all of those things. Right. And that's, that's really what you're talking about. Like a co-op is worker ownership, you know, collective ownership of the overall business. And like, yes, 100%. I, I think that, um, a, you know, that's like something too, that's like very much like the actual next level. You know, I think there's a lot of people who are just doing the groundwork of organizing, you know, growing institutions. Um, but I think co-ops, you know, like is is that next level where you start organizing your own labor under your own conditions. Right. Um, which is yeah. a lot different than some other, you know, uprising where you're like literally taking over factors and stuff like that. But that's the difficulty part is right. It's like most co-ops that start off like you're you're behind. You don't have capital investment. Right. You don't like the capital's not going to want to start up co-ops, right? Um, but, uh, I mean, some of the most, honestly, even in the current system, and, like, Madrigan from, from Spain, it's, like, one of the most successful business businesses, you know, in the world right now, and it's a co-op, you know, worker-run co-op. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, that is, that's the biggest stumbling point is the, the startup costs. But I think that, I mean, across the, the spectrum, if we, if we can get to cooperatives, I think there's a lot of benefits, even like, you know, from the grassroots of a lot of people could probably use 
childcare right now. And if you have, you know, say 10, 10 parents with, with 30 kids, then you can, you know, do a, a childcare cooperative and get, you know, maybe half of them to work again so that, you know, they have, they have income again or like a bike building cooperative because people can't afford gas right now. Those are pretty low capital. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I think that compared to nationalization, if a, an elected or even revolutionary party created a lot of cooperatives, they take away some of the risk of um, regression. If there's a, a right-wing electoral or military coup, there's a, they can't just use the national corporation for right-wing aims or privatize it without having to directly confront the people who control it and the, the laborers themselves who, you know, I think a cooperative in that instance would, would it instantly transition to a union if, uh, if a right-wing party tried to forcibly privatize yeah. it. Well, that's, yeah, which, and that's where too of like, with, when it comes to co-ops, like decisions are made uh, by the group. You know, so like, there's no like the board members can't decide to sell out the company and fuck over the workers because the board members are the workers, right? If they're going to sell the company, it's going to be have to be something that you know, like some people may disagree with it, but it would have to be a democratically, you know, a democratically come to outcome. And a lot of times too, it doesn't come in the ways of like like actually it's like the workers that started the business. It's either they get passed over, right, and the same type of deals or same type of guarantees. You know, um, contractually, right? Because that's kind of important is like if a co-op is going to, you know, quote unquote, sell out any type of turnover for employees, like has to be contractually um, enshrined that the pay, the pace, the the pay increased rate. That's all, you know, not only the pay, but the, the, the raises, the benefits. All of those things need to be locked in. Um, but that, that, but really though, that would be something that was like, yeah, that the whole group gets to, to, to come up and make decisions on. Um, but, but that like, but also like part of the issue is that capital then like necessarily fights against, um, all of these things. And actually when yeah. you bring up, uh, bike, bike, bike maintenance and, 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 and stuff like that. I think it was out in California somewhere. We're like, yeah, the cops literally were arresting. Uh, houseless people who were repairing bikes. They're coming up with laws like you're not allowed to fix bikes on the street. Who does that help? Who, like, literally, who does that help? People who can yeah. afford to own bike shops. You know, like, that's it. It's not helping people who are riding bikes. I would actually, if, if you are riding a bike, you, and even under capitalism, you want as many bike repair shops as there possibly can be. Because that means your your bike is going to be repaired for cheaper, right? That's how they fucking deduce this thing. Or it's just more yeah. accessible. I don't have to go so far. But like that's the thing is, as soon as it's someone that is not able to buy a storefront and do all the accreditation and shit, you know, they just fix your bike literally outside your house. It takes ten minutes. You throw them twenty bucks. You move on. Capital comes down yeah. and squashes that every time. You know. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Because like the. The contrast with that is in, you know, some nice suburban Midwestern communities, they'll, they have bike paths and then they have these little stands where there's like uh, an air pump and a bunch of tools on cables just just hanging kind of, you know, out in the middle of the nature space. Like, 
they just they just like the community just provides the tools to fix your bike and it so yeah that's a that's a pretty bizarre contrast but on the other hand they the cops would be well, stopping well like the difference is you got the suburbs right and yeah you know like that's there, there it is you know that's the class interest you know that that um you know we talk a lot about right that that divide right there Who who's allowed to fix their bike on their own rich people or at least, you know, middle class, <laughs> high end middle class. Cause that's these like, I mean, I feel like I grew up in a middle class neighborhood. I, I, I never see no, like, fix your bike <laughs> shit in the middle of the park. I've never seen that. So like either, yeah, a bike friendly neighborhood or it, it just got money to throw around, you know? Um, but at which case, like, yeah, like that's, that's just it. It's like poor people are allowed to fix their, or aren't allowed to fix their bike and rich people are. Yeah, and even still going into like the thing of like, how do you create industry that actually serves people and doesn't exploit? You know, those like it's tough. You know, it's the unionized effort. Effort is tough. Starting your own co-op and stuff like that, because that's like in my head, like my my big brain idea is starting out with like co-ops that serve school systems. You know, so like a co-op of farmers and bakers that focuses on just just serving the community, just the school systems, you know, to start out with, right? And, like, paper, like, whatever, you know, like, how would you actually just start doing the co-ops that serve the community's resources already and then expanding from there? But, like, yeah, that's that's just something I can, like, roll around in my head at night. (laughs) Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Another weird contrast I I noticed because I've I've been on a kick about sailboats is that – Rich people, they'll spend like 400 grand on their catamaran and they'll, but then they don't, you know, they don't pay rent because they're, they just anchor out in the Bahamas and they, they, they you sort of escape the system of private property because private property is tied to land. Uh, so you're not, you know, you don't pay much private property tax or, or whatever. Whereas when I think it was the San Francisco Bay, there was a whole community of people called anchor outs who would um, go live on their boats in the bay. And the city is pledged to clear them out completely by 2026. And they'll just like, you know, they'll get on their, their dinghy to, to go on land to get stuff they need. And they'll come back and their boat has been towed ashore and is being ripped apart by an excavator. Um, but yeah, the, the sailboat kick, it's sort of, it's one of the most well-practiced uses of renewable energy, like just direct use of wind power to blow a floating thing across the ocean. Um, and so I've, I've, like I've heard like a TED talk about the new age of sail. I think it's sort of part of the, the solar punk thing is the, just the idea of moving more of industry back to sail. And then it, you know, for like a cooperative, that would reduce a lot of your capital input or operating yeah. costs with fossil fuel, but which it does like probably take more labor and time. Yeah, I would like this is where like there's I don't know how much like sailing, especially like the larger vessels, like the larger you get. So as, as far as like having some capacity to ship, you know, a, a mass amount of goods um, in like the global markets, using like some type of sail technology. I don't know, you know, and like, do I have any expertise as a sailor? No, I was, I was in the Marine Corps. I hate boats. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, some things like a localized production is one thing. Um, another big thing is like people who just kind of giving up some 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 treats that are maybe you know like or we're just waiting a little bit longer. You know, like that's where too you know like a sometimes like localized production for a lot of goods i think is 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 a is like just a better option for you know for like things that like your day-to-day shit that you need um but outside of that like uh i yeah i don't know that like a sailing industry is going to be able to take over the global shipping lanes um i think we need less shit being shipped um but then also too like <laughs> yeah. the type of you know what are these engines running on because like you could like hypothetically assume that someday there is going to be, you know, a battery technology that, you know, comes to a point where, yeah, you just, you know, hook up the boat to the to the solar grid, charges up the boat, and it can go back and forth, no problem. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably going to be a lot closer than, like, than, than, than using sails. Yeah, like, I don't know if you've ever been on a sailboat, like a big, like one of these big sailboats. Like, most of, the, like, the space on the sailboats used to, like, sail like to keep this shit going you know um so i don't know yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know a lot of a lot of modern like recreational sailboats they actually have uh significant like tons of lead sometimes in the bottom part of the boat just to keep it more stable like they they're capable of carrying more weight but but people generally only want to use them for you know like you live aboard or you transport people or stuff like that rather than freight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just like, you could get stuff around like, like, cause it, you know, like, as far as like stuff from like you know, East coast, the Caribbean, you know, hell yeah. I don't think there'd be any issue with that. Like they should do that now. Right. Like, cause it just take a few hours. Right. You just hoist the planks. I don't know. Right. Fucking set sail. Get yeah. out of there. Like it'll take, it'll take a few hours, you know, instead of like, yeah, it'll well, take like, five hours instead of two hours, maybe, you know, um, yeah, and then if you if you hit a storm and get blown into Caribbean waters, though your your insurance gets nullified. Which yeah, and I'm sure there's a whole mess of issues that come on. And I mean, like global shipping lanes is largely like one of the biggest reasons why our military expenditure is what it is. Um, and so yeah, that's yeah yeah insurance all the like like I mean dealing with even like stuff like pirates and all that type of shit. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked into the sales stuff. I'm, I, I'm much more into, uh, floating, uh, solar or not flo- floating, um, the floating windmills. Um, that's, 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 that's the thing that I'm into. You mean tidal power or? No, no, no. Like, um, so yeah, floating wind farms. So basically there's oh, like, yeah. like, uh, there's like floating concrete. Like there's a mix of concrete that's got like little like huge air air pockets in it, and it floats. Yeah, and I they have this shit in like Scotland, um, but uh, yeah, it's just like a great way to get you know a lot of fucking power. You know, it floats so that it's not actually tethered to the ground or like the, like the, the sea floor, but it makes it easier to repair um, and also like install. Um, cause you can build it all right there on the shore and just drag it out to where it needs to go. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's my thing. But, um, I'm getting the, I'm getting the, the heads up from Carthic that I got to end the, 
show um, because Scarlett's hosting and, and he's got to start work so he can uh, close it out. I do want to thank you. Thank you, Rico, for calling. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Do you and like recall this was a part one of a two part episode with uh, uh, awkward. So you know, kind of like the last half was just us shooting the shit. Uh, but we'll be back with him next week as far as well as a few others. Um, yeah. So, oh, there you are. On on Wednesday, I just wanted to remind uh, everyone that like uh, we uh, have on Ben Burgess, uh, host of Give Him an Argument. So uh, if you really are on board to, you know, debate us on some of these ideas, etc., you should definitely come to that uh, show where we're probably going to be talking about essentially reaching across the aisle because that's something that Ben Burgess does. So I'm glad that we kind of got into it. I'm um, into it a little bit, at least. I hope that it's not too loud uh, behind me, the, the background noise. Um, and I have to say, like, all the complaints aside... I think that like we tried our best to make sure that we at least address the points. Maybe we didn't have you uh, say all the things that you wanted to say because we also have a certain timeline to keep to. Uh, but we want to make sure that we hear everybody out at the very least for you to state your case and then we at least are able to offer our response to it. And I think that's the most that we can do in this format and that's, kind of, that's something that I really want everybody to understand that like we can't really control organizations if you want to control an organization join them if you want to dispute an organization stuff join something else or stuff, find some or start one of your own you know and like uh, basically then we can approach uh, a realm of like coalitional politics which is not the same as like being our individual selves and just yelling at whatever is going across uh, our line of sight where I think that basically um, we try to operate uh, in good faith every time. And uh, the only reason why we cut anybody off is because time was of the essence. That's about it. But uh, yeah, Marcus. Well, I, no, no, I don't mean like agree, but I like, no, and like I, I can, the only thing I disagree with is like, I'll cut people off if you're being, if, if, if I think you're targeting people unnecessarily, you know, if you're just throwing out insults, just, just for shits and giggles, you know, like, I'll fucking cut you off if I think that you're saying something that is a lie, and I will I will want to address it. Right, so those are the things that I will also cut you off. Karthik might be a better man than me, um, but yeah, yeah, you know I appreciate people calling in, but like I think you got like as much as you want to send a critique out, you also have to be able to receive it, and um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully we could all just be better at that tomorrow. I don't know. But uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. have, a, have a good weekend, yeah, everybody. And uh, we'll, we'll be back on Wednesday 8 p.m.